Welcome back to Global Citizen. Last week, we discussed the current events unfolding in Ukraine. As the turmoil continues onward into April and shows little signs of stopping, I think it's time we turn an eye to the past and investigate what came before. Tension between the Ukraine and Russia is not a new concept. It has existed throughout the history of Europe and especially in the fallout of the Cold War and the collapse of the Soviet Union. But what exactly caused Russia's February invasion into Ukraine? What specific events culminated into such a drastic damaging confrontation between the two countries? Today, I hope to establish a timeline of conflict, starting fairly recently in just 2014, by taking brief dips back into the depths of history from 2004 to the Crimean War. After all, history is a complex, layered being, and there's always more beneath the surface. Technically, the Russo-Ukraine war began in March of 2014, when Russian troops seized Crimea and took control of the region. Vladimir Putin cited a need to protect the rights of Russian and Russian speakers occupying Crimea, although many political theorists speculate this could be a move in part to restore Russia to its pre-Soviet golden age. The Crimean Peninsula would be formally annexed by Russia after a vote to hold the Russian Federation to join the Russian Federation in a referendum. However, this referendum, held in Moscow, was illegal, as it violated international law as well as the Ukrainian constitution itself. Ukraine's constitution required readjustment of Ukrainian territory to be approved by a referendum of all Ukraine citizens. This legality is consistent with international law, as international law respects the territorial integrity of states and does not recognize the secession of a region or group within a country unless the country itself has been denied internal self-determination by a larger central government or violated the human rights of its citizens in some fashion. The International Court of Justice could be called to assess the situation, such as they had been invoked in the case of Kosovo breaking away from Serbia in 2008, wherein the ruling proved Kosovo to be in violation of no laws. A ruling would most certainly prove Russia to be in violation of some sort of law, or at least shed more light upon the issue. However, this did not occur, and while Ukraine and the majority of the major powers of the world still recognize Crimea as being within Ukrainian power, it is still technically under de facto Russian rule and part of the Russian Federation. Two months later, in May of 2014, the pro-separatist groups of Donetsk and Logansk in Ukraine would also hold a referendum to declare independence from Ukraine, an action which passed. Another separation soon cast a highlight upon the ethnic issues also at play, as the regions most interested in subsiding from Ukraine and joining Russian occupation were largely occupied by those who were ethnically Russian but living in Ukrainian territory. More armed conflicts would break out throughout the region, involving the Ukrainian military and Russian forces, and although Moscow denied any military involvement, both NATO and the Ukraine reported a military buildup along the border. In order to truly understand the depths of these undercurrents of ethnic and political tension, one must look even further into the past. Crimea certainly holds a great deal of history for Russia, from the time of Catherine the Great's first annexation of the region from the Ottoman Empire in 1783, to Russia's defeat in the Crimean War and their subsequent territorial removal from the Black Sea naval scene under the agreements of the Treaty of Paris, forcing the dismantling of port city and naval base Sevenstopol to the rebuilding of Sevenstopol in the Franco-Prussian War in 1870, to the utter destruction of Russia, Cr- Russian Crimea by German bombing in World War II. Crimea and Sevenstopol would prove imp- so important to Russia, Stalin himself would have the city declared a neoclassical beauty and demanded be restored to its former self. While it is not entirely unreasonable or even untrue to say Russia's foreseeable 
forcible reclamation of Crimea in 2014 held a great deal to do with the large ethnically Russian population in Crimea and Russia's long history with the region, far more was still at play. Still, it is good to consider all the layers within the conflict. In more recent events, the Orange Revolution of 2004 also held a distinctive impact on the development of the war, bringing about political tensions in a time where an ethnic tension was already heightened. A series of peaceful protests prevented the Kremlin-backed presidential candidate Viktor Yankovic from being elected and instead allowed his competitor, Viktor Yoshchenko, to rise to presidency. So, you know, um, Yankovic would inevitably gain power in the 2010 election. The reformist measures taken by Yoshchenko would, would completely reshape Ukrainians' previously very stunted and conservative conservative structure into a far more liberal state as well as shifting the election process to be more free overall the combined forces of new liberties a separatist mindset and the uninhibited exchange of ideas between ukrainians would make the euromadian revolution possible speaking of the 2014 euromadian revolution is also essential to analyze the already shaky state present in ukraine during russia's annexation of crimea russian president Viktor Yankovic enforced harsh military crackdown after protests broke out in reaction to his rejection of a deal to give Ukraine greater integration economically with the European Union in 2014, a direction which Yankovic made, gave under the prompting of Russia and the Kremlin. Armed conflicts would begin to occur in the following year over Russian's actions in Crimea, causing the two groups' protests to overlap and spread from Ukraine's capital, Kyiv, across the country. In response to all this unrest and conflict, Yankovic chose to flee the country. While Ukraine and Russia's long history of malcontent and the rising tide of unhappiness with the government in Ukraine, it is no surprise a far more radical form of interaction eventually occurred, although almost no one could have predicted Russia's all-out invasion of Ukraine at the time, or how rapidly the war began and continued to escalate. In fact, Measures were taken in the years leading up to the war to prevent something of this nature from ever coming to fruition, but unfortunately, they were largely unsuccessful. Skirmishes regularly occurred along the border of Ukraine and Russia, and especially around Crimea, but a stalemate was largely reached until 2015, whereupon France, Germany, Russia, and Ukraine attempted to broker negotiations in the form of the Minsk Accords. The Accords offered military withdrawal, full Ukrainian governmental control of the area of conflict, and a ceasefire, but this bargain was not struck. Later, in 2016, to defer further Russian aggression, NATO released four battalions into Eastern Europe, a rotating force in Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, and Poland. Keeping with this trend in 2017, the United States would also deploy troops into Eastern Europe in the form of two tank brigades in Poland. Despite the efforts to de-escalate the situation, militarization would begin to occur. In a perhaps seemingly unrelated move in 2018, during March, the State Department would begin approving the sale and transport of anti-tank weapons in Ukraine, the first occurrence of this sort of military equipment since before the annexation of Crimea. In October of the same year, Ukraine would also combine with the United States, as well as seven other countries involved in NATO, to begin testing aerial ex exercises in western Ukraine on a significant scale. The month prior, in September of 2018, Russia had also conducted military testing, a yearly occurrence in Russia. However, this year's testing had been the largest since before the collapse of the Soviet Union. Time would prove it not a coincidence Ukraine attempted to show their power so soon after. Who is to say if it is 
who's to say if better, more effective methods could have been enacted to stop the war in its tracks? It is too late now, where the series of activities in late 2021 and early 2022 we discussed last week would prove to be the final straw leading up to Russia's invasion of the Ukraine. Tragically, it seems even if these two countries weren't previously at war, they still certainly weren't at peace, and something was always going to occur regardless. Who knows what form it could have taken on? Certainly not me. As always, this has been Global Citizen, and make sure to keep watching the news and staying updated on the situation and to help 